if I asked this morning, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if I asked this morning how many of you are thankful this morning, I would gather to guess that pretty much every one of us would would raise our hands, maybe some not so quickly, but you know, for, for the most part, everybody would eventually raise their hands and say, yeah, we got something to be thankful for. But if I was going to ask how content you are this morning, I might get a far different reaction. Because sometimes I think we don't really understand what it means to be content. And I think we, we think they're, they're so different from each other. Contentment and, and being thankful and being grateful and showing gratitude. To be full of thanks seems different than contentment. And contentment seems elusive and maybe just like, I don't even understand what it, what it means to be content. And, but I believe that when it comes down to being thankful full of thanks, to be grateful, to be uh, have radical gratitude towards our God, and, and to be in a state of contentment, uh, it comes down to kind of this one issue. And I do believe it is a memory issue. That sometimes we easily forget about the goodness of God. We forget the times that he was so faithful to us. We forget uh, the moments that he spoke to us or he cared for us or he showed us kindness and and he displayed his goodness for us. We, We forget these things and we so easily remember the times where it seemed like he didn't. We recall, and that's a really interesting word, recall. We recall these past Moments in our life that when things didn't go well, when we were struggling, when we were hurt, when we, we, we were injured, or all, you know, all these things that we remember, we recall them, we bring them, we recall them back into our lives. So easily sometimes. And they occupy too much of our brain waves. Too, too much of our thinking. Too much of our, our daily life sometimes because we recall them back. And it seems easy to do that. At times. And it takes a lot of energy sometimes to recall these memories back. You know, we're just kind of like, come back into my mind, come back into my life. I want to revisit. Although you really don't want to revisit those things, but it seems like we're inviting them back. Am I making sense here? I mean, does this, are you agreeing with this? Is this just silly Jay up here talking? I mean, it could be silly Jay up here talking, but I mean... (laughs) The same energy that we use to recall these things, don't you think we could use the same, if not more, energy to recall the goodness of God in our lives? That that this should be the natural state of a son and daughter, that we recall the goodness of God, the times that he came through, because obviously he comes through all the time. We might not recognize it as that. We might not see it. That's where contentment comes in. We'll get there. promise you. But... I believe that thankfulness, gratefulness, and gratitude, and contentment has to do with what we remember. The word thankful in the Old English means something really beautiful. It means, I will remember what you did for me. 
I will remember what you did for me. Thankfulness, gratefulness, gratitude, contentment is really exercising the memory muscle of our heart. Remembering how good God is, how good God was. Remembering the things that think, oh yes, I remember when he came through for me. Linda and I were just talking about that this morning. Just some, some things that God just showed up in just a profound and mighty way. And sometimes in a simple, quiet way. Well, we recall those things. And they, and they feed our thankfulness. They, they feed our gratitude. They, they feed our contentment. And we break out in worship. Because we can't help to. I believe that's what was stirring here this morning. Even though you didn't know my sermon title. God knew. He, he was circulating among our hearts and our spirits. Making gratitude and thankfulness come up, welling up in each other. So we started to worship Him for the, the power of who He is. How kind of God. To stir up these memories. To make us remember the good that he's done for us so that we can worship him. So, if, if you wouldn't mind turning to Philippians, the book of Philippians, we're going to be all over Philippians. So this is a, a start of our new sermon series called Thankful, Radical Gratitude. And we're going to probably just be in the for four weeks. It won't be as long as Romans. But you never know. But you never know. And for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be in the book of Philippians. It's a very short book, but I'm going to ask Dana if he would come up. I need your help. Now, I'm going to ask a question. Do you trust me? Yes. Okay. Now, stick out, <laughs> stick out your hand. Do you really trust me? I do. All right. You sure? I hope so. Okay. <laughs> Now, the book of Philippians is this, this wonderful, wonderful book. I love Philippians because, it, to me, it, how many people here love getting a thank you card in the mail? You know, just, it, doesn't it just kind of brighten your day when you get one? When someone recognizes something that you've done. Well, this is what Paul's doing here. Paul is writing this huge book. Uh, well, it's only, you know, it's not, a, it's a small book, but it's a huge letter on Showing thanks and appreciation to the church in Philippi for all the support that he's, they, they, he's received in them, from all the love and all the good relationships that he has with the brothers and sisters in this wonderful church. He is absolutely going crazy with thankfulness in, in this whole chapter. At least 16 times, he's expressing joy or rejoicing. In, in accommodation, they're using those words "rejoice" and "rejoicing" all throughout, at least sixteen times. And it, there is so much that he's thanking, thanking, thanking the people for. He's looking at this. He says he's thanking them for the remembrance of you know. Every time he says, "Every time I think of you," every time I think of you, this is fun, isn't it? Every time, every time I think of you, 
I remember you. I remember you. I thank God. Every time. See, he's exercising the memory muscle of his heart. He says, every time I remember you, I thank God. So he thanks, them, he, thanks them for the, he thanks God for that. And he thanks them for their fellowship that they share together in, in promoting the gospel. He's, he's thanking God that he's, he's going to complete the work that he has in them. He, he thanks them for because they're partakers of the grace of God together. And he thanks them for reviving their concern for him. And he's actually thanking them for a monetary gift that they gave him. It's, it's awesome. He is all over this group of people with being showing gratitude. Now, the marvelous thing about all this, look, I'm a worry free, you know. You preach the word, you preach the word, you get free. A great, you trust me? Good. So we have, we have this huge letter that he's writing about gratitude, about thankfulness, about rejoicing, about joy. All the while, he's in prison. And he's chained up to a guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He is chained up to the, a member of the Imperial Guard. The Imperial Guard was the guards that were, worked for the Emperor, closely to the Emperor. There are about 10,000 of these soldiers in this particular part of the army. And they are set aside just for the Emperor. However, they became so popular and so powerful that the emperor were afraid of these guards. These were the super elite of all the Roman soldiers. They were like the special forces. And they get assigned to guard this very frail, old Jewish man. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, for 2 years. For two years. Two years. They changed the guards every four hours. But they, Paul was never separated from them. He was able to receive visitors. He was not able to leave this house arrest. But no matter if he was seeing visitors... He was eating, he was sleeping, bathing, going to the bathroom, everything else in between. He was hooked up to a Roman soldier, who I suspect was not thrilled of being there. I cannot imagine that he was that thrilled. But Paul is thankful for this imprisonment, because it says... Uh, in in Philippians that it's for the promotion of the gospel that he's been imprisoned. And that, that word actually means taking a machete or taking a sword or taking some sharp instrument and cutting through thick brush. Really, you know, Paul realizes that this is hard work. This is intense. But he's given God all the glory so it makes me wonder who's really chained to who. Because, he says, the gospel was known throughout the whole imperial guard. And even 
in Caesar's household. So are you ready to be uh, chained up to me, you know, 24 hours, seven days a week for two years? Well, is your wife ready? She's probably not ready for that. Yeah. And my wife is probably not ready for that either. Yes, yes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release you. Oh, no, I can't. Oh, no. It's, where is it? Oh, there you go. Thank you. Give a big hand for Dana for being here. I know we made, we made light of that, but that was not an easy thing for Paul. Paul actually prays in Philippians that he would be released from this. He held, actually he says, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul did not know yet that he had to wait for two years. He was waiting for a sentence, waiting to see the emperor. And this is one of the letters, one of the four letters that Paul is writing from prison. Uh, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon are the other three. In total... Most scholars think that he was in prison, in and out of prison, for a total of like six years. But in this particular case, it seems like most scholars agree that he was in house arrest. He was in Rome for about two years before he was released to go and do missionary work again. But I want to suggest you just for that five minutes that we were hooked up together, that was probably uncomfortable to a point. And if we did manage to stay together for 24 hours, seven days, for two years, it would get really uncomfortable. Paul's conditions were were not conducive for freedom. He was confined to a big Roman guard who really dictated his movements. Now, I was kind of dictating the movements, but in essence, I don't know how long the chain would have been between the two, but he would also have been shackled by the legs, more than likely. I can imagine if I'm a Roman guard and I'm trying to guard this frail old Jewish guy who I probably don't have much affection for, that every time that Paul is trying to move, that soldier is kind of standing put, restricting his movements, letting Paul know that he's a prisoner. And that although he is a Roman citizen, that he is he's in huge, huge trouble here. And the Romans, Roman soldier is not going to let him forget that. So this was not easy for Paul. And I can't imagine that we were, if we were ever in that situation, that we would feel free, feel content, feel gratitude, feel thankful. And yet we read in Philippians 4, 11 through 12. I'm going to start at the back and work forward if I can. <clears throat> 
Philippians 4, verses 11 to 12, it says this. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any, in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? But maybe we need to define the word content a little bit further. The dictionary describes contentment to be a state of peaceful happiness and satisfaction. A state of peaceful happiness and satisfaction. And it's probably not the state of New York he's talking about here. I was reminded that some people don't miss New York anymore I'm just, this morning. And I can't imagine why. Webster's dictionary says a state of peaceful happiness and satisfaction, but the Greek word actually means sufficient and strong enough not to need aid. So think about that for a minute. Satisfaction, but strong enough not to need aid. So let's read the scripture with that in there. Let's look. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be sufficient and strong enough not to need aid. I think what Paul is saying that contentment is this inner sense of peace, knowing God is in control. Because we know that Paul also says that when he prayed for the thorn in his flesh to be released... God's answer was, my grace is sufficient. Paul understands something about being content that we need to learn. And that's the one, when I was going over this, that was one of the first things that I noticed here that is extremely probable. Paul says he has learned to be content. That encouraged me that Paul the Apostle had to learn contentment. He had to learn this. He had to experience it for himself in order to, to, to get to that place where he could understand when God was saying that God's grace was sufficient. Paul had to be taught. That's amazing to me. The Apostle Paul had to be taught about Contentment. Because we can't just snap our fingers. Say, I'm content. It's all good. Otherwise, we'd be doing this a whole lot more, wouldn't we? You know, we'd be doing this all the time saying, oh, man, this is easy. I'm content. I'm good. Oh, if it would work that way. We have to be taught. We have to learn this. We have to experience stuff. We have to go through, like we learn deep satisfaction by going through stuff. It's not that we ignore our pain or we ignore the negative stuff. Contentment doesn't mean we, we, we just push all that aside. Contentment is in the midst of all that stuff. 
This is why we need to recall all the things that God has done for us, knowing full well that His grace is sufficient. Because we recall it, we remember it, we, we call back the times that, he, that His grace just sustained us and carried us through something and provided everything that we needed in order to go through it. The Greek word here for learn means to initiate. To step into the mystery. To initiate, to step into the mystery. And it also means this. And I love, I love God so much. Because God is always about relationship. It also means to become a close acquaintance with. That the process of learning means that I become closer to the person I'm learning from. I don't know about you, but that kind of got me excited. I'm not sure why you're not excited this morning. You were excited a little while ago when you were singing. But this is, this is powerful. I have learned contentment. I have become better acquainted with the one who's going to teach me contentment. See, I, I initiated by stepping into the mystery. Because it is a mystery. To be content in, 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 a, in a, a situation when you're handcuffed and you're chained and you're in confinement... And, and you're not able to leave on your own accord. To find contentment in there means you know the person who is with you through it all. I've learned. I, I've become better acquainted with the person who is teaching me how to be content. And throughout this wonderful book, Paul says these kinds of things. He says, in Christ. Through Christ, with Christ. He says, I'm going to gain Christ, and I'm going to do this all for Christ. This, this book is so much about relationship, it's crazy. His relationship with, with his brothers and sisters, his relationship with his God, and this is where he's learning contentment. Because he's going through it with his God and with his brothers and sisters. Because he talks about unity in this wonderful book as well. So Paul learned a secret about contentment and how it's tied to being grateful, thankful. Even though he was shackled and under arrest, awaiting a sentence from an unjust system, he learned a powerful way not just to deal with this, but to rejoice throughout it. And what is the secret? It's in verse 13. I could do all things. Through Him, through Christ, who strengthens me. Paul is saying that my chains don't define me. It's not the prison. It's not the season I'm going through. It's not the condition I find myself. It's not the situation. It's not my lack. It's not my loss. It's not my confinement that defines my thankfulness, my contentment. Because I can do all things through Christ, in Christ, for Christ. I've learned, I've remembered what I've been taught, and I've stepped into this mystery of trusting God and rejoicing whatever state I find myself in. Paul's not letting his prison, Paul's not letting the fact that he's changed to a Roman guard, Paul's not letting the fact that he's not leaving this house, he's not... Laying any of those negative things 
define how content he is. He is not finding his contentment in things. He's finding his contentment in someone. In Christ. For Christ. With Christ. I'm going to gain Christ, he says. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Because he says I can do all things. So my gratitude is not based on what I have in my life, but who I have in my life. Chapter 3, verse 8. Anybody got it? Read it out. Doesn't matter if I have a little. Doesn't matter if I have a lot. Because I have Christ. I'm going to gain Christ. I'm going to win Christ. This is actually talking about winning a, a huge prize here. This is an athletic type of, uh, of metaphor here. He's saying, you know, I'm going to win this. I'm going to gain him. I don't know. You guys don't sound excited yet, so maybe i got to go a little bit further here. Also in chapter 3, verse 12. Someone read verse 12 for me. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. It's not my possessions or my position that define my contentment. It's the person of Jesus. Because Jesus Christ has made me his own. The word own here means to take eagerly. To, to grab eagerly with, with passion. He's, he's making us his own. But this is not just, you know, casually coming up to someone and saying, okay, out of your mind. No, this is passionately. This is, this is seeking someone out and, and making sure that they know who they belong to. Who they're owned by. See, we don't, Paul's contentment is not that the fact that he had a lot or he now has little. His contentment is the fact that he has everything because he has Jesus. Contentment is not based on external things, but on internal things. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, who's worthy of praise? Jesus, think about these things and what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, which means to do over and over and over and over again. Be busy with, be busy with these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Does that sound like contentment? If the God of peace is with us, then our contentment is based in Him. 
is not based on what we have or what we don't have. It's not based on whether or not I'm in prison or I'm out of prison. It's based on Him alone. Paul was able to learn this. And 16 times he brings up joy. He brings up rejoicing. It's just amazing the gratitude that is dripping all over these scriptures here. Philippians 2.18, it says, You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Philippians 3.1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And Philippians 4.4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Don't be anxious, troubled, worry about anything, but in everything by prayer, worship words this actually means, and supplication with thanksgiving, grateful language. Let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will what? Guard your hearts. And your minds in Jesus Christ. The word guard here means to to hem in and protect with a garrison of soldiers. What do we need to be guarded against? Well, the things that mess with our contentment. Those things that we try to recall from our past. The things that we didn't think worked out the way that we would want them to. Our failures, our, our sins even. The things in the past that seem to haunt us. The things we recall all too often. Don't be anxious. Don't be troubled. Don't be worried about anything. But in everything, by prayer, by worship, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, which means we can bring everything to the God who is going to make it able for us to be content in all things. Because he's going to guard our hearts. He's going to guard our minds. And he's going to help us to focus on whatever these things else, you know, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent. Anything worthy of praise. He's going to help keep our minds on this. And this is where we're going to find our contentment. So my question as I finish here today. Are you going to let the... uh, Things that you recall keep you captive to it. Or are you going to remove the chains? That is, that is kind of our choice this morning. You know, are we going to, are we going to let this, those, those things that go around in our mind, or are we going to, like we talked about, uh, was a couple of weeks ago, about taking every thought captive? You know, the, see, the Roman soldiers didn't know that they were actually in captivity, not Paul. <laughs> see, they didn't realize it. Maybe further down the road, you know, maybe the the the, the, the second weekend or the second month in, or you know, the sixth month in, you know, these guys who are rotating or getting the picture. Wait a minute, uh, I'm the one who's in chains here because this man is free. All I hear him say is. You know, count it all joy. All I hear him is rejoice. All I hear him is being grateful. And it's starting to get to me. Whether 
Maybe ask for the assignment. We don't know these things, but, but it said that it, you know, it spread throughout the whole guard and even into Caesar's household. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of being you know, full of gratitude and thankfulness. Being full of being thankful. And being content. Paul prayed to be out of this. But you know one thing he didn't ask? He didn't ask for his followers to come storm the castle, so to speak. You know, to come and, and rip him out of that house arrest. He prayed for release. He trusted God with it. But he also trusted God if he didn't get released. Because he was content. He knew who held his life. He knew who he belonged to. He knew what he was in. He was in Christ. He knew this. And because he was content with this, because he was settled with this, he was able to be thankful. And he was able to show gratitude towards his brothers and sisters and towards a God who loved him very dearly. 